Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Zombie, starring Tisa Farrow, Ian McCulloch, and Richard Johnson. Written by Lisa Branti, Dardano Scariti, and directed by Lucio Fulci. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. We had just left Sweden and we're touching down now in Italy uh, to talk about, for the first time on this show, Zombies. Mm-hmm. First time, Lucio Fulci. Um, but stopping in Italy to talk about some Italian horror. I think this is a genre that uh, we've dabbled in a little bit with Argento and Suspiria, but this is kind of a whole other ball game. But one of the reasons I chose this film, you kind of let me choose the next two weeks, our next two destinations, was give us a little platform to talk about the little subgenre of the zombie film. I think that'll be a lot of fun to get into. You must have really wanted to talk about this because a pass on Argento or Baba would be a big deal for you. Sure. So I think it's a fresh territory, and I think it's a territory that we don't really have the same take on yeah. um, entirely. So I think we're in for a good discussion today, but uh, this is a first watch for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, first my inter- first introduction to Lucio Fulci. Actually, you know, I own this video on DVD, yeah. and I've never watched it. I have a lot of movies like that, too. <laughs> One of my students, once upon a time, gave this video to me, and I remember him distinctly talking about what's kind of one of the crazier moments of who would win the battle, which is zombie versus shark. And, uh, yeah, I just never got around to watching it. Yeah, so. yeah, I have a few of those, too, where they just kind of sit on the shelf, and I'm like, I'll watch you eventually, but I'm glad we're able to, to, to check this one off for you. Yeah. What are we drinking today? I mean, we're kind of... Finishing up a couple. What do you want? Uh, Got the Rowan's Creek or the Wild Turkey Rare Breed that Dan brought last week. Yeah, let's, what do you want? let's do that one first, and then we'll mop that one up. Mix it up. All yeah, right. we got a little bit of bottle kill this this episode. Bottle kill. Undead bottle kill. And this one was, yeah, 116 proof. Holy Toledo. Yeah. Maybe that's why last week's episode went so long. <laughs> I'll drink to your zombie. Cheers to you. Mm-hmm. Still really tasty. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's dive right into our flight question. It seems kind of weird to, you know, the first time talking about a zombie film to be kind of diving right into to this film, this Lucio Fulci. It's not the first zombie film. It's not the one that popularized the genre, but um, it definitely kind of has its place within this genre. So my question to you, so doesn't matter how old it is, doesn't matter if it's a TV show, doesn't matter if it came out in the last five years. I want to know what your favorite zombie film is and why. This was really easy for me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is kind of a controversial director because sometimes his stuff is really, really likable. And sometimes it's really, really not for me. Do you know where I'm going? I think so. Number starts with the title, right? Yep. Dancer Danny Boyle and 28 Days Later. I loved that take on them. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I struggle with with zombies is the speed. Um, and certainly that's early on one of the advantages that mortals have versus the undead. 
I really found the zombies in 28 days later to be terrifying because the rage virus, which turned them in that almost turned them into track stars. You're trying to outrun <laughs> Carl Lewis. And so Jesse Owens, right? Yeah. I thought that that was a very cool, fresh take. And, um, on top of everything else, they look great in that film. Zombies are, are ugly and, and we're getting into all this in the show, but I never find them horrifying except in that movie. Yeah. They just seem like a better version of you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's an interesting way to approach a larger number that's growing by the second that eventually leaves you cornered with nowhere to go. That's the, that's the premise, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's the one, uh, the, the one that followed that was 28 weeks later. It was a sequel to that. Mm-hmm. Didn't care for that one as much, but still kind of in a pretty fertile territory for what's an interesting genre. Um, Look, it's hard not to go with Night of the Living Dead also. Mm-hmm. And I, we, I have to mention that film. Yeah, I like that film, though, less for the zombies and more for the social context that oh, Romero tackles in there. Absolutely. Um, but it's for pure entertainment sakes and one that I could probably sit down and watch again. I'm going to have to go with 28 Days Good Later. Good choice. Yeah, thanks. I just recently burned both of those a few few months ago. Days and weeks. Days and weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weeks is actually, I, it's not bad. I mean, yeah. Jeremy Renner, Idris Elba, Rose Burns in it. Pretty, yeah. pretty good little Robert Carlyle, pretty good little cast. But uh, I think the instantaneous, I think the infection, I think you got like 20 seconds before you turn if you're bitten or spat in the eye. There's two scenes that I'll always remember in that is Brendan Gleeson looking up and that like droplet hits his eye and he's got like got 20 seconds to say goodbye to his daughter and then it's curtains, right? Yep. Uh, I think he just kills himself uh, if I remember. And then that scene in the tunnel where they're yeah. in that little car and yeah. you just see the shadows, shadows. of them running. Um, pretty effective. With the footsteps. And you kind of like I, I I'm with you on Danny Boyle. I mean, when he's pretty good, like train spotting and 28 Days Later, I even kind of like that Sunshine movie with Killian Murphy and Chris Evans. But man, like Slumdog Millionaire mm-hmm. and some of that other stuff just doesn't quite do it for me. But do you kind of like that shot on video look that 28 Days Later? It kind of helps the rawness of that film. Sure does. Mm-hmm. Uh, gives it a a raw feel and a much more, I think, personal at the moment, uh, grittier feel. As much as I think zombies work when we get to see the state of decay that they are in when they attack, mm-hmm. for that to really be present, it has to present well artistically. So you don't want it to be too high gloss and too high def because then you get all the cracks in the makeup, which is a tough makeup job. Mm-hmm. But then if you do it too eight millimeter then it doesn't play well but Boyle seems to really master that and you know what else is kind of crazy about that film one thing that we both really don't care for is a busy camera yeah and the camera in that film's a little busy yeah well Boyle stuff yeah. tends to be a little busy anyway very Paul Greengrassy a little bit right <laughs> and that but that kind of works I think so much of like especially in the scene you just mentioned with the zombies in the tunnel yeah effective uh there's a lot of action around you and I think he highlights the action that's occurring around you as the walls are closing in. And that's very germane to a zombie film. Whereas, you know, if you're in Michael Bay transformer film, it just looks like rolling metal. Where that film loses me a, a little bit and kind of devoid from this film, but maybe what we could talk about it a little bit is the third act is when they kind of Killian Murphy and um, that, that's not Andy Newton. It's uh, Naomi Harris. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of like abducted by like this like paramilitary group. And mm-hmm. so then we're playing that kind of like 
are they the real villain? It's the, it's the trick that befell the walking dead for so many seasons, right? That the, right. this human element is more nefarious and evil than the zombies themselves. So it, it loses me a bit there, but mm-hmm. uh, it kind of, kind of rectifies itself by the end of the film, a, a small, small detour. I thought that film and 30 days of night were both really strong entries mm. at a time when both of those genres kind of on life support a little bit. Yeah. I'd like to do 30 days a night sometime. That, but that would be a that fun one. Yeah. Kind of a thing meets vampires, right? Yeah, after three hours last week, I think we're at our fill on <laughs> vampires for a bit, but I'm sure they'll come back. Yeah, we'll put them on the back burner. Yeah. Great choice. Let's hear yours. Now's the part of the show where I would have my um, uh, ubiquitous uh, Evil Dead entry onto my countdown, right? Sure. But I, I can't really call that a zombie film. That's more of a demonic possession scenario. So I'm not going to go there this week. But, you know, I think when... Even you know, though you kind of just did. Uh, without doing it. I kind of did, right? <laughs> Love it. It's awesome. <laughs> But I think, you know, with the zombie film, I think you can go one of two ways with it. I think you can get very metaphor heavy and kind of political with it, which is what Romero tends to do, whether through dawn, night and day of the dead. Yeah. Um, Or you can have fun with it and just really blow it up. Um, And I think the person that kind of did that the best was Peter Jackson's Dead Alive or Brain Dead in, uh, in New Zealand. Yeah. Once I, and I'll talk a little bit about this, my kind of quest into horror was after I kind of dipped my toe into Evil Dead and some of this Italian stuff was just like, man, it just, it can't get gorier enough for me. Like I was on the quest for all the grisly special effects and who can out top the, is it Savini? Is it Greg Nicotero? Like who's the guy that's going to like give us the most disgusting stuff? And man, you watch Peter Jackson's Dead Alive and like... It, it just doesn't stop. It's just, it just, the screen just rains carnage in a comedic way. It's not off putting in like a, a gross Rob zombie way. It's done fairly for laughs and it's over the top and it has to be. And there's the one scene, the kind of the, the moment where our lead protagonist Lionel just arms himself with a lawnmower and just mows through people and in the foyer of his house. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta, I gotta pick that one. I mean, that was the first time that was like, yeah, I think this was like, this was that met my gore quota, and I don't think there's a film I've ever seen since that's been able to top that. God, I thought for sure I was, which great choice by the way. Mm-hmm. I was a hundred percent you were going to go with Shaun of the Dead, mm. but no, I I kind of took the comedic error, comedic element, and elevated it, didn't you? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I like Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. I, I don't love it. My favorite, really. Yeah. I guess I missed that on you. No, I don't. Uh, that film kind of loses me in its third act as well. I think it's actually really funny for one and two. And then when they're at that Winchester Tavern, it just, everything just kind of really dies for me. My favorite film in that, uh, Cornetto trilogy of Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg is hot fuzz for sure. But yeah. you know, mine, I, I don't know if it's in that mm. is run fat boy run. Oh no. Yeah. That's not them, but I, that's Simon Pegg. It feels like mm-hmm. that. I don't like, I don't know if I love all his stuff, man. I don't, I hate this is the end. Yeah. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that one didn't work. Anyway, I didn't mean to side, side, sidetrack you. Yeah, no, I, no, no, I no. love your choice. Mm-hmm. Um, zombies, kind of by nature, mm-hmm. I think they play a little bit with humor. Yeah, I mean, it is fun. Like, you know, it is fun to kind of put your arms out and oh, like it's sort of funny. Yeah, it's not funny if one's chasing you for real. Sure, but I think it's a good space to have some fun with it. You can play it straight. You can play it socially. Mm-hmm. I love Romero's take on on race and consumerism, Consumer, yeah. specifically in the mall. That's genius. Yeah. Um, we we talk often about uh, kind of that serotonin release of yeah 
horror and comedy are just kind of on the same spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in Dead Alive, those moments where we're kind of cackling at just how ridiculous this the, this uh, karate priest that kicks ass for the Lord, we're kind of getting those, instead of jump scares, we're getting laughs at the same time. Yeah. And then it's still grisly and just over the top. Um, it's one thing I've always appreciated about Peter Jackson was even in the Lord of the Rings stuff, he tends to lean much like Raimi and Spider-Man. There's a fantastical element with their filmmaking, but it does tend to lean a little bit more towards the horror, right? Yeah. And you, you can really, once you see those early films they did, you, you, it's impossible to not see that. Yeah. That's my choice. Dead Alive, 1992. Good choices. I love it. Um, but let's go ahead and dive right into our review breakdown of Zombie. Ahoy there! This is the Harbor Patrol. Anyone on board? Yes, it looks abandoned. Is it something big? That's just what we'd like to know. One more step and I'm gonna blast you. Now freeze where you are! How long since you last spoke to him? Well, we have to go to Matul. We're trying to locate Anne's father. She hasn't heard from him for some time. That's not a cool place to hit. Natives claim it's cursed. They avoid it like the plague. I'm going to tell everyone that you're the one who's crazy. Demented, cruel, evil son. What exactly did my father die of, Dr. Minow? And the boat's crew, what happened to them? What's this about the dead coming back to life again and having to be killed a second time? The trailer for the film's a pretty good summary, unlike all the stuff happening in it. Yeah. Let's talk about the title of this film first, because I think there's a lot of confusion. I mean... I always remember you telling me, like, you refer to this as iZombie. That's the name I have on my DVD. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, that, like, the zombie with the, with the eye, right? It's just the, how they spell it over there. Um, but Oh, no, no. It's, like, the letter I, comma, zombie. Mm, interesting. Like, the pronoun. Yeah. Or personal pronoun. I, I am the zombie. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's... Uh, but is there an E-Y-E zombie? Is there that, too? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's so this, the one we watch is uh, Z-O-M-B-I-E, and then there's just Z-O-M-B-I. Huh. But let's talk about that. So we're in, the film you just were talking about a second ago, Romero's Dawn of the Dead, 1978, when it was imported to, or exported, I should say, to Italy, I think this is an interesting little piece of trivia. Dario Argento was, like, in charge of, like, recutting it for Italian audiences and then they put a new soundtrack from Goblin uh, on, no. when it, on when it came out. So you got a lot more. Uh, but they called it. It was Zombie Donna colon Donna the Dead. So as we were watching it, I was kind of telling you how kind of fast and loose the Italians are with copyright law. It essentially doesn't exist. Right. So in Italy, you can make sequels to American films and just kind of continue on. So... That's what this was. In Italy, this film we're talking about today was called Zombie 2, 
because there already was a zombie. It was Dawn of the Dead. Mm. So a sequel to an already sequel from another franchise that spawned a whole new franchise, a, a subset franchise. Wow. Okay, you paying attention, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Zombie 2. Then when they made a sequel to the film we just watched, it came out Zombie 3 in Italy. And then it came out Zombie 3 in the States. So everyone was probably like, well, where the hell happened to Zombie 2? Because when it came out at stateside, it was just Zombie. Z-O-M-B-I-E. What a bunch of shit, man. It's just so confusing. And then that's not even in England. I think the movie's called Zombie Flesh Eaters. It's called Island of the Dead in some places. How can you keep like track of all that? So it's one of the great things about the internet is they're able to keep uh, track of it. But you asked me, I was like, continuity-wise, the rest of this series, does it have anything to do? And I kind of told you no. <laughs> so Does the next film even take place in New York? Uh, no, it doesn't. It's not like a continuation of like, okay, we unleashed the horde on, in New York City. Let's deal with that now. No, it's like a whole new adventure. Hmm. Um, So kind of tricky, right? Kind of keep track of all those titles and how we rename things and sequels to other sequels. It's just, it's just wacky. So if you're looking for this movie, you might have to look under a few different titles. You might. And then I think this is the first time we get to talk about this too. This film was infamously labeled as one of the UK's video nasties. Mm. Uh, so back in the early mid, mid to early eighties, the UK kind of lost their shit with a lot of these extreme horror, extreme by, you know, their standards uh now it's you watch walking dead and it's way worse right yeah um where they did an actual investigation um and it was like done by like it was in in regard to like some obscene act from the 50s kind of like a little bit of like the haze code england style and they just searched and seized and heavily cut a lot of these films like so they'd pull them from theaters they would pull them from the video stores from boutiques where you could buy them and they cut a lot of them. So it was kind of this thing in England where it was, oh, that's a video nasty. Like, we can't show that. Or hmm. It's funny that it's around violence, right? I mean, and then when it comes to sex and, like, nudity and stuff, they're kind of all good with that. And then that's kind of the thing over here that we're just like, I'm, I'm surprised we don't have, like, a sex nasties list right know, yeah. here. It's weird how we're, we're opposite in, in those regards. But mm-hmm. you can check out the list. I mean, when you when you break it down, Evil Dead's on that list. Um, Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes. There's certain levels of criteria that how extreme some of the scenarios were, but... You kind of think about that. I mean, that's that seems like a crazy time that just that, that kind of stuff wouldn't happen now. Does does it seem crazy to say the franchise as a, or not the franchise, the genre as a whole seems really troubled in the late 70s? Yeah. I don't know enough about the zombie franchise as a whole to say in the late 70s it was in this dire straits. And by 1986, with this particular film, blah, 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 brought it back. Because what I would actually argue is it was mostly dead until Robert Kirkman chose to write about it in The Walking Dead. I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. But even for all of the, I think, traction that George A. Romero garnered and was applauded for for Night of the Living Dead, Mm -hmm. as much as that franchise sort of limped along, and there's some solid entries in there, Mostly nobody saw those films. Like, that's not mainstream cinema. So for this movie to be put on the video nasties list and there to be some controversy around, essentially, imagine this, the ratings bureau and mm-hmm. what they chose as too salacious or not. Mm-hmm. But we've never talked about that, yeah. Ace Code or otherwise. Yeah. 
I'm kind of not surprised. Mm -hmm. But having watched this now, I think it's more artistic than gratuitous. Yeah. And if this movie made it to that list, it's not really surprising to me that that genre had nowhere to go because this isn't mm. like some this this isn't dead alive. Yeah, this isn't even really twenty eight days later. There's a couple of moments, and the blood splatter in this is almost more cartoony <laughs> than it is um, grotesque. And you know, maybe that's also an Italian thing, Jesse, because I think to a certain degree. Argento is a little bit more, I don't say cartoony, but more artistic with the use of his blood and the splatter on color palettes, red mm-hmm. on blue on white, yeah. than it is just gore. Yeah. Is that fair? I think so. Yeah, the Italian, the, when, when you dive into that little kind of that mid-70s to like late 80s of what they were doing in horror, whether slasher, giallo, zombie, demons, yeah, which was also in consideration for this week's episode. They just let loose with it. They just say fuck it and just like mm-hmm. let's make this as gross as possible. And then, like you said, like not in like an off-putting, gratuitous way, almost in a very artistic, lit in an interesting way, and the way they frame shots and everything. It's it's all very purposeful. It, it, it seems like can't you see the costume design team sitting around the various states of decay and injuries we see in this film revolved with or involving blood. Mm-hmm. And really grinding and then taking a step back and saying in a very artistic Italian manner, mm-hmm. we need a little more here, a little touch there, a little touch that it, it feels mm-hmm. very presentatious to me. And I'm glad you brought up the women and sex because I really do have something that struck me as very interesting in this film, but we'll get to that later. Um, it really is this palette of gruesome that they are decorating with lots of shades of red and surprisingly green was the other one that stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, and blue from like the ocean and everything. Yeah. Well, you brought that up too. Mm-hmm. How blue that water was. If there wasn't a zombie and a shark in there, maybe we should take a dip. Yeah. Cause it looked, looked jewel. In, it looked inviting. Boy, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it's, it's all very interesting. Yeah. The, the kind of the look of the violence and that I just wanted, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause that kind of weird censorship with, horse specifically i just don't know if that's possible anymore with like streaming services because now when stuff comes out on like netflix or shutter for that matter which you can watch this movie on shutter it just kind of comes out guns blazing right there's no editing of violence or sex or whatever they just like here have at it so it's an interesting time it almost becomes a little bit of a treasure hunt where like i need to see zombie without all the bits cut out right well my question yeah right let's compare this to last tango Mm. Also a controversial in its own. Did that make the film nasty list? No. Wait, what? <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't about sex. It was it was violence specifically. Right. I, that's crazy. Yeah. Because I'm not trying to be too provincial and and hung up here on on that. But even if that movie's about sex, which it is, you go back and listen to the cast of that film mm-hmm. and the statements that she makes about what Brando did. And essentially, she's admitting that she was raped for an entire film. And the movie plays out really harshly in that manner. It doesn't mean that sex should be perceived in that way. But I almost the point I'm making here is, mm-hmm. is it the snobbery of the Italian Bureau of Rating, whatever the hell it is, mm-hmm. and just kind of middle fingering horror yeah. in the way that thing, like, mid, like horror has been middle fingered by most of the rating bureaus for its entirety. 
And then two things happen with that. Number one, the minute you put the stamp on there of don't see this film. You want to watch it. Immediately. Yeah. Everyone's going to see <laughs> yeah. it. And secondly, then what you grow is you grow a resentful fan base for two reasons. Number one, they're exposed to a film and they either like it or they don't. And if they do like it, they keep going, mm-hmm. which is you're in my story to the letter. Yeah. And then you add that angsty rebellious nature that seems to fit with rock and roll and horror, mm-hmm. I think equally well. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah, you want to do that. I'm going to see every single one of these going forward. Mm-hmm. And you create yeah. a dyingly loyal fan base yeah. to the genre. So it backfires. Yeah. It's almost better advertising than just letting it come out, you know, unscathed, right? You better call your theater. Cause if you don't, you won't see paranormal activity. Yep. Let me read some of these uh, f- uh, films that did make the video nasty. I'm just kind of in yeah. th- this title. So one of the films was Gestapo's Last Orgy. Um, <laughs> you got to hear some of these alternate titles for this film. Last Orgy of the Third Reich or also known as Caligula Reincarnated as Hitler. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Christ. I Spit on Your Grave was on this video nasty list. Last House on the Left. Uh, let's see. Uh, zombie Flesh Eaters. Uh, zombie Zombie 2. Uh, Evil Dead, The Fun House, Toby Hooper's The Fun House. So you watch that, and you're like, how did this make the list? Mm. Uh, maybe just because it's Toby Hooper. Yeah, maybe. And he was like, oh, that's the guy that did Texas Chainsaw. That's salacious film. Yep. Uh, a lot of slasher stuff, Toolbox Murders, uh, The Dorm That Dripped of Blood, uh, a lot of these films that I actually really like. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust, of course, yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of Italian stuff. Friday the Thirteenth Part One and Two uh, did kind of meet a, a certain kind of cut. So you can go look up that that whole list online, and I think for the most part we can see most of those films now in mm-hmm. their original version, which I, is I think really cool. Yeah, this film starts out here in New York Harbor with this adrift boat. Um, just kind of careening here and they're like, hey, it's going to run into the ferry, the Staten Island ferry. Like we need to like reel that boat in. And these two, they say coast guard. They look like just like New York city cops, cops to yeah. me or port authority or something. Uh, but they get on this boat and they meet one of the, the undead here, this kind of fat zombie. <laughs> I have no other way to say it, but it's like this bald fat zombie that takes a good chunk out of this one cop's neck. And then they have to put it, kill it, put it in the water, which, Talk about polluting the already polluted East River in Manhattan. <laughs> right. Uh, what'd you kind of think of that? I mean, for a low budget kind of movie that probably doesn't have a lot of money, I think they get a good, some good production value with that New York skyline. I mean, it looked, there's some really good setups there. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting set. I had no idea this movie was going to take place stateside for the parts that were stateside. For a little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a good opening. We talked about the cabin in the boat that's adrift when the cops go aboard and just the raw food or rotting food and just the, the wreckage that you found, it makes you wonder Mm -hmm. if as whoever was on that boat was turning into a zombie, were they still trying to consume Mm, some sustenance? Yeah. Like mortal food that wasn't raw flesh Mm -hmm. because most of that stuff looks like it rotted in an uncooked state, an uncooked state. Yeah. Uh, I, you could, I told you I could almost smell the food rotting through the screen. Yeah. Very effective. Now, let me ask you this. Well, later on in the film, we uh, kind of get a flashback on whose boat this belongs to, and it's this doctor of our lead female. Um, 
and he has kind of a dying wish is let my daughter know or send her a letter or something. And the, our other doctor, Dr. Maynard, Richard Johnson, Dick Johnson, <laughs> yeah. uh, decides to send the boat instead of like a telegram or a wire. I mean, odd choice, right? Yeah. I don't know what the uh, logistics of that whole thing was. It probably would have been easier to just mail a letter instead of sending a whole boat up there. Unless the doctor that's on the island would have confiscated the letter. Mm. But then why wouldn't he have confiscated the boat too? Yeah, it is weird. Is it then just uh, like a plot contrivance just to get the boat scene in there? Yeah, or just to get the just to get the plot moving. But it, what it does happen is it unleashes the infection upon New York City by film's end, um, which might have been a more interesting movie. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, this is it's interesting. This kind of turns into like an investigation movie with our our guy Peter, or this Richard Harris looking guy. <laughs> Great hair. Great hair. Yeah, great hair. And uh, Mia Farrow's sister, uh, Tisa Farrow, playing Anne, the the daughter of this guy, kind of trying to piece the puzzle together on, okay, my father's boat showed up. Like, I haven't talked to him in months. We need to kind of figure out where he's going. And this reporter's like, oh, what a great scoop for me. I'll write a whole expose on this thing. And then it kind of takes them in this crazy, weird adventure of voodoo, zombies, sharks, scantily dressed women yeah uh do you like that is like i mean it, it's certainly different than like a romero zombie film which is like backs up against the wall and let's hole up in this location right yep romero zombies films all kind of turn into single location let's see how long we can outlast this onslaught and in this one they're just more looking for the answers and piecing it together and it's not until the end we're like yeah these are just like these are dead things coming back to life is that the right approach with this genre even in this film i think that's the determining factor on if you like zombie films or not right don't they all at some point turn into there's the four of us against the rest of mankind Mm -hmm. and then the quintessential question is do we hole up or do we stay on the move yeah i would argue you stay on the move yeah and i would argue a boat would probably be your best bet yeah wherever in the middle of the hell nowhere but inevitably, there's no story with that because then you're just sailing. Mm-hmm. So what story is that? Yeah. Unless it's dead calm. I like dead calm. I do too. Yeah. So you choose eventually to run until you find what you think is a safe enough place and then hole up. Dead calm or uh, Hitchcock's lifeboat. I actually really like life, both yeah. those films. So maybe the single location stuck at sea is a pretty good genre. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Put Titanic in there too. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's not a favorite of mine. I like it. So I, I think your question is, does that work or, or right? Does that work? Yeah. I mean, this is, this kind of becomes like a, like a classic Italian giallo, just like we got to figure out who the killer is or we got to figure out the mystery. And like, I never think like with the zombie film that I'm like solving a mystery, it's like more of like a test of survival. Yeah. And maybe that makes it unique. I don't know. I don't know. I think it does. Because I think there's two ways the science on this goes. Are you trying to use science to stop or reverse the process of zombification? Or was it, and I think this is super contemporary in 2021 and beyond. Yeah. In the pursuit of scientific gain, how much are you going to fuck up the rest of the world? Yeah. And I mean that. Okay. So, you know, that both of those play. 
is science going to be used for good or bad? And I actually like that part of it. Yeah. I love the mad doctor with the God complex mm-hmm. in fiction, not in real life, but yeah. in fiction. Yeah. Problem is it happens to bleed into the other too much. Yeah. So the Dr. Maynard, who I think is the forefather to whatever trials he's conducted regarding the voodoo practices of the aisle has then now spread this to an entire clinic, I think, of either subjects or volunteers or whomever. Yeah, whoever. Townies. <laughs> yeah, townies. And we know that mm-hmm. from the beginning. His wife tells him, and and we get the opening bit where we see him. It opens on him killing one of the patients that's now been zombified. No, I think the dad, yeah. Oh, yes, right. Her dad, yeah, exactly. Yes. So the investigative piece, I think in theory it should work, but I think it's executed poorly because we already know. Yeah. So that's a really long answer to your question. For me, no, it doesn't. I don't mind this reporter and them delving into what happened. You have to get the antagonist to the crisis anyway. Yeah. But we already know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'd probably complain if that was never expressed either so i don't know if i can win either way or if the movie can win either way for me sure uh I don't in know, that I, regard i think these two are kind of mismatched too i mean if they're no trying, chemistry yeah i think no. if they're trying to like have like some sort of like romantic element into this thing like i don't buy it at all no not at all and the other barrier that i think often happens in these italian films is we talked about this with suspiria which is everyone speaks their native language when filming the movie right so you have the two leads speaking english you have Brian and then his wife, I think, speaking Italian. Doctor yeah. Maynard speaking English, and it's just a it's just a mess, right? And then you have Lucio Fulci, which I don't think he speaks a, a lick of English. So how is he relaying like how things need to go to his American English speaking actors? Mm, it sounds question. like it sounds like a clusterfuck. Like I just would love to be on one of these sets just to kind of see the relaying of information. A lot of interpreters, and then afterwards, where he gets even more messed up is the dub job. I think more times than not comes across as comedic when it should be sincere and a little serious. Yeah. Cause there were some times where we kind of chuckled at some of the line delivery and that's, I don't know. That's not a fault of the no. actors themselves. I just think the director, there's a language barrier, right? Yeah. There is a language barrier that line specifically. It's a little fishy. Yeah. <laughs> the outside of the house that's immaculately kept looks a little fishy from a doctor. No, it doesn't. Something's uh, awry over here. <laughs> Something's amiss with this, this blade of grass. So, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I don't know if there's an interpreter there that's, like, relaying the information to Fulci on what his actors are saying. Like, if because if Tisa Farrow's acting, what's my motivation in this scene? Like, what's what's Fulci telling her? Mm-hmm. Like, if anything, well, I guess I'll just walk to there and stumble across my lines only to redub them later, possibly by a different actor. So, let me ask you a question. Okay. As you bring up the Italian dubbing and the foreign film element in horror. If... The United States, and I think it's not even a question, has claimed to the best country when it comes to producing horror yeah. films, and, and probably just films in general, but let's stick specifically to horror. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Do the Italians have claim to the second best country with horror? Because, I mean, I'm sitting here racking my brain thinking of, like, what other country would um, maybe Sweden a little bit here and there? I don't think to the extent of what Italy's done. I can't get there with Germany. Yeah. There's some English films that are 
maybe kind of, I mean, that's Peeping Tom mm-hmm. and some other ones. I don't think the French spent a lot of time with that. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to do just sheer mass, if the Italians don't lay claim to it, they certainly tried. Well, they they kind of get their own little genre to play in that. Yeah, the giallo. I'm, I'm a huge yeah, the, I'm a huge fan of which is yeah, the giallo, which yeah. is its own sleazy little horror film, which is even more scantily clad, naked women, gratuitous violence, and just everything. I mean, that's every one of those films is the same. Yeah. But there's like kind of like a weird appeal to it for me of just like I I, I kind of, I like I think it's I like whodunits right yeah. we kind of like we want to know who the murderer is at the end it's usually for some like sex like cheating on me scandal or some if it was a film noir it'd be an insurance scam right but I, I'm with you I think the Italians do have claim to maybe the second best when it comes to horror. And I, I think can, I think so too. And I can see why they would want to put American actors in their productions, like a Clint Eastwood in uh, Spaghetti Western, because then that's more appeal when it goes stateside. We recognize some of these people, maybe not the actors in this film, but I think setting it in New York, I think we're trying to bridge that language barrier with. Oh, but the movie still takes place there. Okay, so if we, because I agree with you, then so let's we both agree, and maybe those people that are listening to the show also can find some traction with this argument or this thesis that I'm proposing. If the Italians are the second best country mm-hmm. in totality in the production of horror, then is horror a genre that is mostly doomed to failure because the vast expanse of believability is just too great? Mm. Or is it a celebration of all things that we come to terms with regarding health and mortality? Because... As much as I would say, I think my theory might lean on the first, they keep trying. And you know who we didn't talk about, and this might be next week too, Mm -hmm. is the Asian element with horror. I would say from 1990 on, they could probably lay a claim to a huge component of American versions of the movies they make from House to The Grudge to The Ring Ringu, we can keep going on. And maybe the one, I don't want to give anything away, but maybe what we're doing next week too. Which isn't any of those films. And you know who's kind of laying a lot of claim to uh, is Korea as well. Yeah. Train to Busan's a hugely popular zombie film that came out in the last few years. Like, so, no, I'm with you. I mean, I think that, like, and I can't tell you the most significant Italian horror film that's come out in the last 15, 20 years. I mean, it's just, it's not there anymore. What's the best one, though? Is it what, Black about, Sunday? About, is it Baba, like, per, is it, because as much as that movie's celebrated too, and I like it. Mm-hmm. It's a slog, man. After the first 10 minutes, that movie's a slog. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah, Bava's the godfather of Italian horror, right? And uh, yeah, I think maybe the the best would either be of his a Black Sabbath, which is his little anthology film with Boris Karloff, or um, Blood and Black Lace, which yeah. is, I think, it was the second color Italian horror film. And boy, does he make use of color. It's sure. a gorgeous film. Then you have the Argento thing. So I think they've had prominent like filmmakers that have like laid their claim in. Fulci's somewhere in the middle, or I don't know, um, but not lately. I that's mean, that's three big names though. Yeah, Fulci, Argento, and Bava. That's three big names at the genre that you and I celebrate. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's perplexing because um, I think I'm sitting here asking myself: Do you want this genre? To be, and I don't mean by zombies, I just mean horror. Do you want the genre to be great so everyone appreciates it, or do you want it to be work 
so that you can grind through it and find those occasional nuggets and then find Dan last week who doesn't like horror and say, oh yeah, what about this? Mm -hmm. Let me show you the orphanage. Let me show you let the right one in. Let me show you zombie. Let me show you what, and then sort of go like maybe you. I like the work. I kind of do too. Yeah. It's the one genre where I'm willing to put in the work of man. I'm going to watch. I've watched a lot of crap, uh, but yeah. occasionally when you, ooh, look at that nugget. Like, that's pretty good. Like, look at that. Like, you know, when we did Suspiria, it's not one of your favorite Argentos, but like he's got a few films in there that are just more to the book. Giallo, uh, It's like Tenebrae and Deep Red that I think are really well made. I'm going to have to do Deep Red one of these days. Yeah. It keeps coming up. It just, came up in a couple things this week I read too. Yeah. Just showcases his abilities a little bit better than like so supernatural. So no, I'm with you. It's it's the one genre I'm willing I'm willing to kind of take that, that leap with. So is that what it is? Is it, okay, let's be honest here. Is this this little niche mm-hmm. in film snobville that you and I have carved out for ourselves and yeah. we want to give everybody just enough of the secret passcode to get into the clubhouse once in a while? Yeah, I think so. I think this is... Or a couple of snobs then. Yeah. Yeah. I guess to your snobbery. <laughs> Drink to your snobbery. <laughs> no, I think, I think one of the goals of this podcast is to turn people on to stuff that they normally also wouldn't watch. It's not just always going to be what's coming on the theater, your Thor Love and Thunder, which blah... <laughs> Well, because there's that piece of it too, right? Yeah, there Blah. is. Yeah, there's that risk too, and it gets so big, and yeah. I, it's it's fun to kind of turn people on, especially the last. Maybe this whole cast. Maybe that's the goal of this cast. Is I don't know a lot of people that have seen Eyes Without a Face or Let the Right One In, right? Or Zombie or Zombie Two or Zombie Flesh Eaters. So to take that, take that, dip your toe into that. Whether you're going to like it or not, some of you probably won't like this film. I don't. I, I'll t- I don't even know if I like this movie we're talking about today. Yeah. Uh, but it's part of the journey, right? Diving in and seeing just how weird and strange it's going to get. That's good. I want to speak to the dubbing just one more thing because Fulci, I think the next year, did a film called House by the Cemetery. And it's about this weird ghoul that lives in this house in Boston. Again, all this stuff took place in the U.S. Like U.S. cities. They didn't even take place in Italy. Interesting. Uh, but there's a little boy in that film with a, like this. He kind of looks like uh, Oscar from last week. His name's Bob. <laughs> and he's got this horrible dub job where this one point they're like, Bob, are you going to wait in the car? And he's like, yes. Can you bring back me, bring me back some candy, please? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just so grating on the ears, but it's so unnatural, right? Yeah. And then we laugh at it. So whoever was in charge of these dub jobs, I don't know if that's a full, probably not. That probably is just some other guy that knows English, right? Mm. Man, they, they fucked it up in a lot of these movies. Argento included. That's too bad, too, because I think... That's such an easy breaking point for people to say, oh, the dubbing is so bad. And then it gives them an excuse not to try with the film. Yeah. That's the same thing with subtitles, too. Mm-hmm. I used to watch that happen a lot with the students I've exposed to maybe a foreign film the two or three times we did it. Subtitles would pop up and they could just see they're like, oh, it's black and white and I have to read. But the truth is that's a lot of people. Double barrier, right? And that's that's also work. Mm-hmm. I think that that actually, even though it's more work, plays better than watching mouths not moving yeah. to the words that the people are uttering. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's no, just something you just got to get over, right? I mean, you're just like, yeah, it sounds like that, but I, I and now I, I just have to kind of take the sincerity of the story, right? Yeah. I'll still laugh at Bob's little line, but... Yeah, because yeah, none of those are great actors in the anyway. You, you sort of... Jump into this knowing you're probably not going to get stellar performances yeah. in this movie. Like, I didn't, you said that's Mia Farrow's sister. I didn't even know she had a sister. I mean, that's yeah. a nobody. Yeah. I mean, did Frank Stallone show up in a minute? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> the sort of zombies. that level. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like when films work though, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Not everyone yeah. does. I mean, everyone likes to just go see the stuff in the theater, the Marvel universe, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that, but I like to be challenged a little bit, like especially yeah, you're right. A four in black and white is like that's extra work. <laughs> right. And you really gotta focus. Uh so no, I just that's not for everyone, but for those, I mean, there's you're gonna find some great stuff in there. Uh, so let's catch up with the story here. So Peter and Anne are like, okay, let's go investigate what happened to your father because I, A, think it's going to be a great story. B, you want to know what happened to your father. So they end up here in, I don't know where we're at, the in the, in the Bahamas or something, somewhere Caribbean, right? The water's too blue to be <laughs> eastern seaboard, right? Yeah, for sure. So we're somewhere down in the, in the, in the Caribbean islands there, the Florida Keys or somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they get a, a little, a boat to take them out. This is Brian and, uh, I'll look up his wife's name here, but like, it's like, yeah, we don't want to go to that Island because, you know, there's kind of local legend that it's kind of no big deal, but him and his wife, they got kind of a cool little thing going on. They're going to sail for two, two, two months for fishing and swimming and just hanging out. It sounds great. It does sound great. <laughs> yeah. I love her introduction, too. Oh, yeah. Like, I made a point to be like, don't mind my breasts. They're just spilling out of my shirt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess we can get to this now. Yeah. I think Fulci, in the two times we have female nudity in this film, presents a really interesting parallelism. Mm-hmm. The beauty of the human form, because that's both of those women are nice-looking women, mm-hmm. compared to the decay of the human form that eventually does them in. Yeah. And I think that that is really effective in heightening how bad zombiedom is. Obviously, looking at that, that's something that no one wants. But when you take these rather beautiful creatures, both of these women, and she chooses to take her clothes off and go with basically, essentially, I mean, nothing. It's a G-string that's like, no, it's, like it's, linen. <laughs> She's good girls with her uh, her uh, uh, floss, loincloth, her floss uh, yeah. long bikini, which with the slightest riptide, dude, that thing's getting obliterated. <laughs> Jeez. And she may as well be naked, right? With no qualms about it, mm-hmm. and then that's how she's going to go into the water and just sort of photograph the beauty of undersea life. Mm-hmm. And then later, the doctor's woman or woman, doctor's wife, who's in the shower, who the camera is not at all ashamed. Mm-hmm. To let you really get a good look at all parts of her. There's like three mirrors in that bathroom. <laughs> That's what I mean, right? You get all you get all the angles. Sure. And they're both really beautiful women. Mm-hmm. And Fulci, I think, is celebrating that in a way that's not gratuitous, because other than the reporter who kind of raises an eyebrow and kind of snickers at Pharaoh. He's like, oh, look at like that. Well, yeah. You know, like they don't really play up the gratuitous piece on that. Mm-hmm. They're comfortable in their skin. And worth, I think, supposed to be comfortable, if not comfortable, celebratory of how nice they look. And especially when both of them then are done in. Yeah. In a state of undress, almost here in the water by a zombie, she's going to escape. But the the guy's wife, who you're going to look up her name or not, because it doesn't really matter. Susan. Susan, in a state of mostly undress, in the water, attacked by this decaying, gross, nasty thing. Boy, that really does work. Mm Mm-hmm. If ugly attacks ugly, it's not as stark. Yeah. But if ugly attacks beautiful and clean and pristine, mm-hmm. that composition looks excellent on film. Yeah. 
Let's talk about this this sequence here, this naked scuba diving to phot- photograph the floor and fauna underneath the sea, and the, the shark comes up. This kind of looks like a great white, a thresher shark, a tiger shark. A uh, what? Yeah. Uh, shows up, and they have... It's not a fake shark. It's a real yeah. real shark that the, this actor, stunt woman, scuba diver, whatever, is in the throes with, and... Man, it just gets crazier and crazier because, okay, she, like, eludes the shark and then out of some cavernous, like, underdwelling, this zombie comes and is trying to, like, claw at her and with some little coral, she scratches its face and is able to get away. Yeah. And then we get that scene, right? The scene that, you know, I think a lot of people talk about with this film, which is zombie v. shark, Donna Justice, and Hmm. I gotta tell you, pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, it's this is an actual act or shark guy that's going to actually be underwater with zombie makeup that looks pretty decent for how it's keeping underwater that's going to kind of roll around with a real shark i mean right you said you they couldn't pay you enough to do something like that i kept thinking there's got to be a wall between these two and it's shot really well so the shark can't actually get to these people no this is more than a man-sized shark tiger thresher whatever it great white whatever it might be mm-hmm that is circulating around them. Jesse, you couldn't pay me all the money, and I love the ocean. No way am I shooting that. And then when you get into the zombie fisticuffs, Sharknado style with this thing, Mm -hmm. and he's got his arm in his mouth, and he's got his mouth on the shark's skin, skin, and he's, you know, the way a lot of people like to swim with dolphins and grab onto their dorsal fin and take a little toe. He's doing that with the shark. And here's where things get even crazier. (laughs) As far as I know, sharks are attracted to blood. Mm -hmm. If Fulci's going to go all the way, is that real blood? I I hope not because then I think the shark might go into a frenzy and attack these people. But regardless, there is blood in that scene when the shark bites off the zombie's arm. And even if that's not blood, did you hear what I just said? The shark bit off the zombie's arm. So tuck your arm into your body and give him this little thing, and hopefully he doesn't take. That scene's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Wild how they did it, and it looks good. It looks it looks pretty authentic, and uh, it's just you've never seen anything like that. Like Romero would never. Uh, no, <laughs> The Walking. You'll have a meat Jello outside yeah. the farmhouse. The Walking Dead would never. So to Fulci's credit, to a, mm-hmm. a filmmaker that I can't quite pigeonhole with his films. Every time I sit down to watch one of his movies, whether the beyond was another one of his in contention for this week's episode, which I think is actually his best movie, but I wanted to talk about zombies act more than that. Uh, I sit down and watch them and I'm like, something's missing from these movies that would probably make it really great. I don't know if it's the pace. I don't know if like it's plot elements that are missing, but to his credit, this is actually a, a moment that kicks ass. I mean, yeah. Zombie V Shark, I mean, and to the authenticity, it looks great. No tricks. It no. really is what you're watching. No green screen, no puppets. Yeah. Take that, Birds and Alfred Hitchcock. We're really going to do this. There you go. Now, what do you think of Dick Johnson and his uh, doctoral quests here on this island? They seem for not, right? I mean, he just... I try and figure out what's going on here. Why are people coming back to the dead? And you kind of think as an audience, you're waiting for the inevitable conversation where it's like, oh yeah, there's some sort of weird like infection on the island and it's turning everyone. And we kind of don't get that. 
Fulci decides to go all in on the voodoo Haitian culture interpretation of zombies, which was first seen years ago with Jacques Tourneur and Val Luton's like I walked with the zombie. I mean, zombies started out as like, um, like uh, brainwashed people, mm-hmm. right? Serpent in the rainbow. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you brainwashed them, and then they would do your bidding, right? Yeah. Uh, Bill Lugosi's white zombie. Yeah, is another one. Do you think that's the right way to? I mean, it's it's a weird combination because they're doing like whole Haitian voodoo culture, and that little uh, uh, guy there, his little assistant Lucas, is just like so stressed out the whole movie because of what they're dealing with. But they carry some of the traits, which is the dead come back to life. They have to be bludgeoned in the head to be killed or burned, and I think the bite uh, will lead to death. But I don't know if the bite leads to infection. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that the right way to go with, with, with this film? I mean, it's certainly a different way to do it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's going to play out for the final moments when everybody that's ever been buried comes off the island because it's, I think, to the voodoo drums that they're following. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the tribal elements decide enough's enough and we need to reclaim our island or whatever the hell that is. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, that does work. Um and I think you do get enough of him trying to figure it out by using his own blood mixed with the, I'm assuming, zombie or turning into zombie blood to try to establish what's going on. I don't think the doctor is the one that launched this terrible mm-hmm. condition upon mankind. I think he's trying in his own very vain, God-complex way to solve it. But in so doing, making it worse. But even with that making it worse, but knowing if I can't save them, then I'm going to shoot them in the heads so that they don't zombie out and eat all of us. Well, they're all dying because this little Shantate that is his well, hospital is so disgusting. <laughs> Infections galore, right? Yeah, so if it's not zombiedom, it's sepsis. <laughs> yeah, they probably have some weird dengue fever here in this yeah. little shack, and yeah, they're all dying because there's... It's, I can't even imagine. You the the smells on the boat, the smells in this little shack, and the humidity. <laughs> you know, the question is about the zombie origin from voodoo. I think for that to fully work, because I feel like you're asking me that question because maybe it doesn't as much for you. What's the reason why the inhabitants of that island would have ever used that? Yeah, ceremonial, right? Or it's for, for family that have gone past. And I think that gets to the issue that you brought up a minute ago with what is it about Fulci that doesn't quite get across the finish line? Honestly, for me in this film, it's he's so light on story, it's almost it's almost impassable. Yeah, lack of explanation. There is no story, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a couple of moments that in a scene, watching just the scene, you'd be like, hey, that's pretty cool, but tied together in A to Z story beat-wise, that's, mm-hmm. that's the problem. Yeah. But again, to be fair... As much as I agree with that for me and, and maybe see some light there too, do you really want the backstory on the voodoo t- conditions or it, tribal customs? It could also get in the weeds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that sounds like kind of wicker man area and that's a mess too. Yeah. So I think, yeah, this, uh, maybe the simplicity works. I, I just want to know if it's, it's, it's different than the typical, oh, this virus got out of this lab and now people are like, you know what I mean? I kind of like how Romero does it in Night of the Living Dead, and it's like a satellite that came back from, like, Venus, right? And mm-hmm. it's just, like, radiation that's bringing the dead back. Wow. So simple. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, we guess we're doing the, the the voodoo thing for this one. Let's talk about this next big sequence, and then I got a huge question to ask you, and I couldn't think of a better episode to do this on, and I know it's it's gonna be a hot issue. Mm. Um, so Paola, the doctor's wife, is she, she just hates her husband and just like uh wants to get off the island, but there's no way to get off because he wants to cure it before they leave, right? He can't it's doesn't want to leave the job unfinished. And she's left home alone. The the, the servant even leaves because he hears the dead coming to the to the precipice of this property. And this zombie breaks into this house, and like you said, strong zombie. Uh, she's hiding behind a door and the zombie punches through and then grabs her by the scalp and is pulling her towards this like splinter shard on the wooden panels. And man just pulls this woman right into it through her eyeball. I mean, that's the other moment I always remember is if you got to think about eye stuff, like if that stuff kind of thing weirds you out with like eye injuries or whatever, look away because this is pretty gross. And then it breaks off into her eye. Oof, yeah. <laughs> and then she's a meal later for about five or six of these things. Mm-hmm. So. His wife make, meets a pretty grisly end. Like you said, the perfect juxtaposition of let's observe her in the shower three different ways because of all the mirrors and everything. And we're going to see just how beautiful this woman is. And then we're going to have this hideous thing do the least glamorous, glamorous thing to this individual, right? Penetrator, wrecker, and eater. Oh, gosh. It's it's brutal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just it's like you don't want wood in your eye like that. No. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about this now. So... Talking about zombies and the the genre, whether the Val Luton days or the Romero days, and it's kind of waxing and waning throughout the, the years. You did bring up Robert Kirkman and, you know, the, the Walking Dead comic book and then the inevitable show on AMC, which I think is wrapping up this year or it's still going on. What do you what are your thoughts on that 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 television show? Um I know we definitely have some opinions on it, but in terms of bringing back the zombie to popular mm-hmm. uh, culture, yeah, it certainly laid claim to that. Sure, when it came out, really important player in the zombie rebirth, if mm-hmm. you will. I think that show was good for about four years, and I think it ran out of material, not because there wasn't enough graphic novel material to adapt. Mm-hmm. That, for me, was one of the first shows. Remember, because Netflix had that initially, and then after a year, pulled the plug, mostly because of cost. And then Frank Darabont left because they wouldn't fund it properly, and the the show became what it was, which, all in all, I think you have to say for AMC, was really, really popular at a time when they were killing it. Mm -hmm. That's, That's, I think, Mad Men, Better Call, or Mad Men, Breaking Breaking Bad, and this all at the same time. And The Killing. And the killing, right. So good for AMC. They saw things that other companies didn't. The problem for that, the problem for me with that show had to do with the simple multiple weeks where you might get a zombie. And instead of having man versus zombie, it turned into a statement on what happens when all social norms are removed how primal a state does man revert to? And the answer in that film was there is no holds barred. Yeah. There's some traction there, but there's some traction there only in so far as I'm not watching a statement about like, if I want to go watch Lord of the flies, I'll go watch Lord of the flies. Mm-hmm. I'm watching this for zombies. Yeah. And that show got so lost into finance and that, 
that the third season in a row, I think, that they were still at the jail with, go back and watch it, three set pieces. Mm -hmm. That's all they used. Every shot was from the same side to save money because they either didn't want to pay for it or they didn't have access to the jail or it wasn't a good a good location. They had the main meeting room, they had the same hallway, and they had the outdoor courtyard. And that was three seasons of that. And it got so old. The other thing, too, that happened for me in that show is anytime a character sat down in that show and began speaking to another one about the human condition, yeah. they were going to die. It just became so predictable and boring. And... I, I can't tell you it's a failure because for five seasons it did. And that show also lays claim to one of the most memorable TV episodes I've ever seen. It's called the Grove mm -hmm. and it's where the female character from the mist. I can never remember Carol yeah. has to make a decision about what she's going to do with this girl. Who's just seen too much and has been turned into a terrible, terrible human. And she kills her in the Grove in this, in this field. Mm -hmm. It's a big, big moment. But for that, Jesse, and that's the, that's the moment in that show that sticks out to me the most. So it's a stunning success, but for me, it's also a failure because that's not mm -hmm. what I should get sure. from a zombie movie yeah. or a zombie show. All in all, I'd left that show. I haven't watched it. I stopped caring. Uh, I stopped caring, honestly, probably two seasons before we actually pulled the plug on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I couldn't limp along with no indication as to why this was happening no progress made on getting under control yeah, and just a reheated version of the governor and whatever township they came to that was already governed by someone else that had to maintain their resources and resources. I mean, human and natural. Yeah. yeah. Go. I just spent five minutes. What do you think? No. Yeah. I think I'm, I probably abandoned ship long before you did. Really? Uh, yeah. Those first two years where Darabont was in control, Frank Darabont, you know, there's 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 a lot of good material in there, and it speaks to a lot of what he's really good at as a writer and a, and a filmmaker, which is you know really putting these humans in very interesting predicaments, and then kind of watching these pieces play out. My favorite element of that show, and then once they decided to kill him off, that love triangle between uh, Andrew Lincoln, John Bernthal, and and his wife and his wife, yeah, Sarah Wayne Callis. I thought it was super interesting. Yep. And I just thought like this was giving me kind of life, this weird love triangle that everyone's kind of interestingly in the right of who they should be with. Right. They thought, uh, what can it, was his name? Rick. Mm -hmm. They thought he was dead. And then they started up the whole thing and then she's pregnant, new kid. It's his, he's the thing. So what happens when he comes back? I thought just like, I loved it. And then there was zombies happening around that. Right. Uh, but when they killed John Bernthal off at the end of season two, and that's when Darabont jumped ship as well, that whole third season at the prison with the introduction of the governor, that's when I started seeing, I was like, oh gosh, like it's losing those elements that made this thing so interesting. We're just jumping from location to location and having to deal with different antagonist, uh, authoritarian antagonist figures, whether it's the governor or Negan or whoever, right? Mm -hmm, right. Um, so that's kind of where it lost me. I thought in, in the, the makeup department, Greg Nicotero's effect uh, that the, the zombies, when they did show up, they looked great. They and did. the violence stuff, uh, I think it was the killing of, um, Merle, uh, Michael Rooker's character. 
I remember that one specifically. Mm-hmm. And I also remember the, again, fat zombie that, do you remember the one in the well? Yes. And they had him tied with the rope around the stomach and they pulled him up and like his whole, just everything dropped into the water. Yeah. About that, that there were some really good moments there in uh, Herschel, uh, the, mm-hmm. the guard from uh, Shawshank. He gets like disemboweled there and that's kind of sad. That was the little boy's fault. Carl, Coral. Yep. <laughs> the show had its moments, but like my thing with television is you got to know when to end it. Yeah. And this show just never got that memo. It just keeps going on. Even when it's kind of waned in popularity, it still just is turning along. I mean, you go out when you're on top. I mean, I do have to speak the praises of a show kind of like Breaking Bad where that's a show that could have churned out two or three more seasons of meth-making adventures. And the Gilligan kind of knew it was like, no, this is it. Like we're We're done. We're going out season five and that's, that's all she wrote. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's uh, uh, unavoidable. Uh, And as that show went on, you and I have had many a conversation about the walking dead and its pros and cons and kind of its pitfalls, but a better time to talk about it than on a, a zombie episode. Yeah, it's perfect. That show is really important to re-energizing an entire genre of horror. It kind of became around the fall time. It was must-see television. It was. You kind of had Sunday night after football. You kind of had to sit down. It's walking dead time, right? Right. Yeah. And so there's something cool about that. I agree. Yeah. That's pretty good. AMC had its little moment, right? That little 08 to like 2012, 2013. Like they were kind of like. Killing it. Maybe at the top of all all the networks, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix, all that shit included. But everyone eventually gets to this island. Uh, we're trying to investigate what's going on here on Batal. And they go to the estate of the doctor, and that's where they find the zombies eating the wife. And that's where they get that line, oh, no, something seems a little fishy here. What do you think of the the uh, the effects in this thing? Because whenever the ghouls, the zombies do show up, I think they all look pretty good. I mean, they look fairly ghoulish with guts coming out of their mouth and all the bites they take out of the human flesh. I think production-wise, I think they kind of nailed that little aspect as well. Yeah, it looks good. And they are oblivious mm-hmm. to the visitors that have come to rescue the wife because they are so enjoying that feast. Mm-hmm. It looks good. Yeah. Handful after handful of flesh. Ugh. But Brian in his uh, Daily Planet shirt yeah. crashes, crashes this, this Range Rover. And I, I was trying to figure out how the, our lead guy, Mr. Greathair, how he hurt his ankle so bad. I mean, it's like a disgusting wound. <laughs> like he had his foot turned somewhere in the seat and it just went that way. Mm-hmm. But then we, we kind of get this conquistador rising from the grave and we lose an ev- another member of our party. I kind of like the conquistador zombies. I mean, they look a little more aged and more skeletal, but they still got worms and shit festering off of them. I mean, the, the look of the zombie in this is it, is it kind of is it doing it for you? Is that kind of enough? You know? Yeah, no, I think that they're in a state of decay. But if they were buried in the 1850s, they would just be skeletons. Mm-hmm. I get it. You don't want skeletons coming out because that's not a zombie. That's a skeleton. Uh yeah, does it work? Um, they look good. I think instead of just the decayed flesh falling off your face, having that in addition to no eyes because the worms have already eaten them and that I, I buy a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't get a lot of rhyme or reason as to why, unless you're going to buy or, the, the drums in the background or what. Yeah, rise. why now? Yeah, why not? Exactly, why now? Yeah, why not? 
<laughs> their, their two foot shallow graves did these conquistadors decide to, oh, I'm coming back now. Yeah, I mean, they've been dead for 120 years. Why now? Probably longer. I mean, conquistadors. Oh, it's, it was 1550, wasn't it? Yeah, so. Well, Fulci's grave marker said 18 something, which is oh. not correct at all. Right. So these things are even older, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and I just, I, it's, it's a good looking. It's the guy that's on the poster, right, with the like the worms coming out of his eyes. So I think in the makeup department, I think I think they did a great job on on the look of this thing. But we get our final stand here at this Shantate hospital, church, whatever. And it's kind of what you expect in one of these zombie films. I mean, in Night of the Living Dead, it's this little farmhouse that Dwayne Jones and Judith O'Day's, they're, they're, they're holding up at, and it's the mall and Dawn of the Dead and... Uh, 28 days later, it's that military compound. But here we got this this little thing. And do you like that these films end? Do you want more answers at the end of the day? Like, do you want to know, like, is this a virus or is this voodoo or whatever? I mean, even when the film ends, we're just like, we still don't kind of know what the hell's going on here. Or do you kind of just want to see the survivors survive? I know you you tend to not like man versus nature things. Does this right. kind of toy skirt the line a little bit with that? Yeah. Yeah. When the plane crashes and you get in a film, the soccer team that has to go full Donner's party, I'm just usually out. Zombies are a version of that. Yeah. Uh, in this particular film, I don't know if I cared. Uh, I had had my fill of the special effects and the inevitable showdown in the church that's going to happen. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's not to say that it wasn't even well done. I think it's pretty well done for the little tiny tiny budget what was this movie made for 400,000 maybe or 300 million lira <laughs> yeah, right not <laughs> 16 dollars yeah sure i don't know uh i i'm just jesse i don't know if i cared um that's not a good answer but maybe it's a statement on just where it was with the film by the time it was done well i don't know what i think either yeah. like I, I i think it's exciting i think i, I love the molotov cocktails they're making they go and take a chunk out of dick johnson's face and they're shooting, they're blowing. I mean, it's it's some good makeup effects going on here. But I don't know if I want a little bit more, if I want those zombies to move a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Pulci's going like at a snail's pace here, which if that was what he wanted to do, so be it. But I don't know. I think this, this ending's leaving me something to be desired. I mean, some, something a little bit more. Didn't you tell me that the movie was just under 90 minutes? Yeah. This movie felt a lot longer than 90 minutes. Well, then that's, again, one of the other arguments of why I can't quite figure out Fulci, right, mm-hmm. is I feel that with all of his movies. I feel like they, they feel longer than they are, and there's, like, this missing element that's, like, really holding it. And maybe it's him. <laughs> maybe if it's a different director yeah. making the movie, maybe it just it has a better sense of its identity. So much of the film takes place in the hospital watching these patients struggle as they're on the road to zombiedom <laughs> that to have that be the final showdown, the Alamo, if you will, mm-hmm. I was pretty exhausted with just sure. that same location. But that goes back. Like I just made that same argument with the walking dead. Like you have to get me in a different place, mm-hmm. a couple of guns and a couple of bales of hay and some Molotov cocktails are okay. <laughs> but there's other ways we could have done that. Yeah. I, I don't know what it would have been cool to have like a scene like on the boat and then them like swimming up like to trying to get on the boat and just sure. like like this like thing at sea that could have been pretty good sure because the at sea underwater stuff was already established that that worked pretty well mm-hmm. but no, I'm with you I don't I don't know I don't know what to think of this ending yeah it's it's not long it's it's pretty quick 
And then the two characters I think we're supposed to care about, they get through it mostly. There yeah. is a zombie on the boat that's Susan's husband mm-hmm. that's turned. So they're bringing him back to stateside to prove that this wasn't just some cockamamie you know, fever dream that we had. This really is occurring. And then you get, you know, what the ending of the film is, which is in New York has been in, infested with this whole horde of zombies. Yeah, meanwhile. <laughs> and then you just sort of, I don't know, I just, I, I get it. They're going to get you sooner or later. That's sort of the zombie idea. Like there's just going to be more of them than there are you because the more people die, the more become zombies. And eventually it's just you versus everyone else. I have a hard time keeping my interest through all of that, though. Yeah. But yeah, you, the Molotov cocktails, are, that's a pretty good plan to, to you know, wipe them out. Um, the action's pretty good. Like you said, the tearing of flesh off faces and the biting's pretty well done. All that's, I think, executed pretty well. Now, you see here, we're stuck in a film. And the, the end scene is the these zombies walking across the Brooklyn Bridge to New York City. And I think a great shot. And you got the Twin Towers in the background. Like, yeah. it, it looks great for this low-budget whatever. But we're, what I said in the flight question was you either go political or you go um, or social commentary or you go funny and outrageous. And this film doesn't really do either, right? It sort of goes inevitable. It just is kind of stuck in the mid, this middle vacuous void. And I don't think Fulci's trying to make a political statement on like what these zombies represent in 1979's Caribbean or America especially if we're drawing from Haitian voodoo practices that was pop, that was first shown in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And it's not funny. It's not like, I, I think the outrageous elements that we really highlighted then, which is Splinter Eye and uh, Zombie V Shark, but it's kind of stuck in the middle. It, it, it didn't, Fulci doesn't lean into one or the other, whereas Romero was going to be like, no, these zombies represent... Um, the civil rights movement and, and you know, the, this oppression and this represents consumerism and you, you get it. It's, it's a great metaphor with the antagonist that they're dealing with. And then the, the characters just work within that. I thought even rabid. Oh yeah. Did a better job that way. Yeah. yeah. With making a statement Cronenberg, right? Cronenberg's a better filmmaker. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I think, I think we're being gracious to Fulci and we're giving him every opportunity. I think maybe Fulci just, this is just a gig. (laughs) Okay, you just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. When he sat down to make this film, did he sat down saying, this is the statement that I want to make about zombies or do I just want to make some money and maybe... I think it's that. I do too. Yeah, it's... And so we're trying to approach it from a different way. Unfortunately, this will be my rating eventually coming out. If the zombie stripped of all social norms, man stripped of all social norms is zombie and reduced to as about as primal as you can get, sort of reproducing. And I guess there is a reproduction element in there that's turning your more zombies through a bite. But just eating, devouring whatever it is you can to sustain yourself. What does that mean? And I think Fulci in this movie goes, who cares? Just look at how cool the zombie looks. He just fought a shark. Aren't you happy? Do you see how beautiful that woman is in the shower? And look what I just did to her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This chick swims basically naked, and it's this guy's wife, and no one blinks an eye, even though she's got a gorgeous body. 
And he he's not even leaning like into like even like a weird exploitation space either. No, because it's not like overly gratuitous with its nudity or its depiction of sex or violence. It's just kind of just all there. Unless okay, yeah. so here's right. Yeah, it seems odd to me that he might be smart enough to take these beautiful women and show them in their natural state, this naked form, and and celebrate that in a a nice way, not a gratuitous way. And then have them get killed by zombies upon doing so. Unless he's so bad at what he does, he doesn't even realize what he came to in that. And I'm just trying to pull this out of that. Like I'm seeing that. And his gratuitousness didn't even fully deliver. Yeah. Maybe. Very perplexing. And and unless we sat down and talked to the man, we would never know. And I don't know if we'd get a straight answer because he doesn't speak English. And he's dead. So. There's that too. <laughs> he's also, yeah, it's just, it's this hypothesis because Fulci in the horror circles, I guess is pretty well regarded. I mean, really? people talk about this movie. They talk about the beyond. They talk about New York Ripper and a few other of his films. But man, I've, I've watched a good majority, at least 10 of his movies. I just, I can't, something just holds me back. And I'm like, am I missing something? No. But yeah, I don't think I am. Um, I think, yeah, he's just, he's a, he's a C-tier Argento or Mario Bava. Um, I think those guys are just a little bit more, even, you know, Argento for as weird and wacky as Suspiria is, I think he's trying, trying to do something with the content. I mean, he's, he's trying to tell some, whether it's a weird modern fairy tale about witches, his own Salem witch, whatever. He's still trying to do something. I mean, the guy's got some sort of goals at the end. I don't know what Fulci's goals are. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't give that the best rating, Suspiria. Mm-hmm. I'd sooner again watch that than I would this. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Excellent. All well, the film ends. <clears throat> Zombies, I guess, are taking over the world now at this point at the end of this movie. Yeah. Zombie 3 will start a whole new storyline. Maybe it does pick up. I actually, I own those other two movies and I've seen them only once. Maybe it does and I just don't remember. But So many movies to watch. Don't go do those again. What's your favorite tasting note of zombie? Uh, it's got to be the zombie versus shark underwater fight. Uh, not even that it's this hard-hitting action, just that they had the balls to do that. So as hard as we've been on him and maybe lack of story and, and thematic approach, you have to give him credit here because... Not only did he shoot it, but he talked some poor sap into getting into the water yeah. and shooting that with a fucking shark, man. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So say what you want about his ability, and maybe that's how this movie got made. Maybe he's a really good pitch man, mm-hmm. setting you up for the nightcap too, aren't I? Yeah. So maybe the pitch to like, look, you want to make a movie? I have a scene that you'll be perfect for. Because that's a stunt man, obviously. Yeah. Whew. To him, to that stunt man, because... I wouldn't do it. You know what I thought was really cool? Because this is something I can't do. Like, I can't, like, I can't make myself sink underwater. There's that too, right? Yeah, like, this this zombie extra stuntman is on the ground of this ocean <laughs> fighting a shark. Like, and in makeup, having to act and not get killed by this thing. Like, there's a lot of different factors. It's my favorite. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, and, yeah, and, like, this very loosely, like, it's not like there's, like, a safety team on this these Italian films that probably could have gone very south and just get a new actor in there. My favorite scene, too. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I've, I've never, in another zombie film, I've never seen something quite like that. Mm-hmm. So, excellent. What's the... Oh, my God! Moment of zombie. I actually think it's the penetration scene on 
Paola. Yeah. Uh, to do that to her flies in the face of, I think, what a zombie's after. A zombie's not going to kill you. A zombie just wants to eat you. But mm-hmm. that seems driven. Intentional. To, yeah, doesn't it? Uh, he does eventually pull her through the rest of the, the wall and, and then they feast. But boy, that seems really, really intentional to fuck her eye up. Yeah. Ruin her beauty. Again, penetration, a very phallic splinter. That could go somewhere thematically, but it doesn't. It just It's just like a really cool moment. Is that scene amazing? It's good, but is that scene amazing if that particular zombie that's doing that to her is another woman? No, it should be her husband, right? The doctor, What are the two of them? It should be Dr. Maynard in zombie form. Dr. Maynard, or if it's a woman that's... Ruining her beauty, that's pretty loaded too. But again, we're getting too thematic on a movie sure. that I don't think Fulci wanted yeah, to Yeah, no, he's with. like, no, this was just a gig. Yeah. Who's the master distiller on? What's your oh my zombie? God moment? Oh, shit, I didn't even say. I think even the, those Coast Guard, Coast Guard uh, guys at the beginning, the guy that gets the chunk bit out of his neck, there's a good, nice little fountain when he gets bit by this fat zombie. I'm going to go with that one. I think that's, I think it's a great, I think the movie starts well. Yeah. Um, and then it's just, it takes just kind of a little too long to kind of get to it. But that's Fulci, man. Mm. Uh, Master Distiller on Zombie. Whoever did uh, artistic design, zombie design. Like special effects? Special effects. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I actually think that's the film's strength. Maybe more so, this might be sacrilegious because I love Tom Savini and all his work on mm. Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, but... I think these zombies maybe look a little bit better than they do in those films. Yeah. Uh, Worm Eye Conquistador zombie, uh, blood spewing Susan when she eventually attacks Brian. Uh, I think they look a little bit better. And then when they're blown up, uh, there was there was the one scene where um, Peter smashes the Conquistador guy in the head with like a shovel or something. And in his head, it turns into a jelly. It looks pretty great. So it does. Yeah, I might, I might give it might give it to that too. Okay. How are you going to rate and grade zombie? Our rating system, rocket, well, call, single barrel, and top shelf. Where are you going for this one? I hate to say this, but I think it's just well. Yeah. There's some moments. I don't, I don't really ever want to see it again. I'm not going to further my knowledge of Fulci and the rest of the series. You said it's bad anyway, and he only did the next one, and then the rest of it gets off into whatever weird title, you know, nonsense that is. Uh, but well in this for me, I think is a pretty good mark because even as much as I liked 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't give that more than like Call Plus. Yeah, There's a... There's a a really, really low floor for zombie films with me and a pretty pretty low ceiling as well. There's a space that they just... It's just a, it's just a preference thing. Yeah. That being said, I, I wasn't fleeing. I didn't want to run for the door. I wasn't like, oh my God, is this... You couldn't flee because you still had to do the episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it's only minute 68 of 88, Jesse. What can we fast forward to? You know, it wasn't, I, wasn't like Mank where we just weren't watching the movie. Yeah, I think by the end of that, we both were like on our phones playing Marvel Strike Force or whatever. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just it's just well. Yeah. Where you at? I think I'm just call. I mean... In terms of zombie dumb, I think it's a pretty okay entry. There's some things I'd like them to do differently. I think the makeup, I'm like, you know, I come to a, when I originally came to these movies, it was for the gore factor. I mean, I wanted to see gruesome shit. Yeah. And I think you get that in this movie. You get some, again, you get Sharky Zombie, which is awesome. 
Splinter Eye, which is also equally awesome. Yeah. But all the plot, the characters, whatever. I mean, it's just it's just kind of there, and it's very kind of poorly explained. It's call. I think I will come back to this. I just I think the we watched this on a 4K disc. I actually thought the the, the trend, it looked pretty great when we were watching it. So I will give this another go. And just my endless pursuit on trying to figure out, man, what's this Fulci shit, man? I just I don't understand. And what what about it's not clicking for me? The only other films of his I could ever see us doing is maybe the Beyond if we did like a Gates of Hell type movie where. And that, like I said, that is his best movie. And there, there's a tarantula scene in that that's pretty awesome. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I wanted to do this film to, A, talk about zombies, which we did, B, talk about Fulci, which we also did, and C, try to figure out why I don't like his movies. <laughs> so I'm going to do something that I've never done to you on the show before. Oh, shit. Right now, I'm going to give you one plot point you can sour mash this to try to save this and get it to at least some more palatable state mm-hmm. go. I think it needs to be some sort of viral infection. Like I think it's, okay. I think the voodoo thing doesn't work for me, especially cause there's all these scenes. Like you said, the continual Dick Johnson going to his corpses that he's creating cause of his poor working conditions and then having to shoot him in the head mm-hmm. and instead of trying to figure out a solution, a cure to the virus, which is what that character should be, right? Yeah. And that's what the dad was, I imagine. It's like they just stumbled into this thing and was like, yeah, this is weird, and we have no answers for it, and now we're all dead. Um, mm. So I think if there's some sort of infection spreading amongst this uh, Matal island that they're trying to work to cure, but it just over overcomes their abilities, I think that might be a more energetic movie <laughs> i think you're right yeah so i think that's what i would change i don't know i mean zombies in new york i think i'd rather see a whole movie of that too i mean i think once they leave i think we also create more problems that's what i was gonna say yeah give me zombies in new york mm-hmm. if you're gonna shoot it in new york and there's a cost element and it's not easy to shoot there because there's a lot of people go ahead and do it yeah because if you're not gonna do that then what i would sour mash it with is take it back to the island as she's looking for her father and it can be through the boat and the GPS or a letter or however you get her there. And don't reveal it to me yeah. right away. Like, let's uncover it zombie by zombie. And each zombie has some clue that leads them to El Clinico <laughs> that has the zombies <laughs> there. That's Italian. Did yeah. you know that was yeah. Italian? El Clinico? Yeah. Il Clinico? Yeah. 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 Il Clinico, not El. Not El, yeah. <laughs> Hispanic and, or Spanish and Italian. There you go. And neither one of those are really great, but it, I like yours. It might get uh, a, let's just do yours. It might get a little bit better. Um, give us the same special effects. I don't know. Maybe a different cast, too. That would help. Like you said, if, if we're trying to bridge the American audience with the Italian people, like Mia Farrow's sister and Richard Harris lookalike ain't cutting it, man. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, I purposely picked this because I was just like, I don't know. I don't think I'd love this movie either. So, mm-hmm. uh, Interesting is, watch, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's but, breathing a sigh of relief because they're seeing it's only an hour and 30 this week and not two hours and 45. Oh, uh, it, it was great last week <laughs> and it was great this week too. Let's wrap this one up with our nightcap.
tell if that's Goblin or the uh, instrumental pieces of Working Class Dog by Rick Springfield. What is that? Can I take you to, to, to musical school for just a little bit? Why not? In in music, you have time signatures. Uh, and Like 5-8 time or 4-4 yeah, time? Yeah, the most common one is 4-4. Four, four. So it's 1-2-3-4, yeah. 1-2-3-4, and all music kind of fits within that time signature. Right? Yeah. Different notes have different lengths and whatever. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween theme is in 5-4 time, so it's... One two three four five. One two three four five. One two three four five. Dun 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 dun. Italian horror, whether it's Goblin or Fabio Frizzi, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's it's five eight time. It's twelve eight time, and it's like it makes no sense musically, but I kind of love it. It's your progressive side coming I, through, it's man. That, that rush, yes, uh, music that I love. I, yep. I kind of dig it, but it like when you're listening to it, it makes no sense. <laughs> Completely unsyncopated synth rock. And you know what's great about these Italian horror films? We didn't get to talk about this, but like there will be a scene with music. Like, do you remember that morgue scene with uh, the guys arguing over how unclean their instruments or yeah. not sharp enough they were, and the music's going bum, 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 and his like arms moving. And so it's building to something, and then all the music and sound just stops, and we're just in the next scene. Like, it doesn't even, like... Strange. It doesn't even fade into the next thing. It's just, we're done. <laughs> it's like blue balls in music, right? There's no climax. Yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. It's just... It, 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 Ar Argento does that stuff, too. I just... I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's true. You're right. But it did it, it, it never... New York skyline. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like, yeah, just like... Take me to climax, people. Come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Looking for a sign in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. All right. Nightcap? Yeah. All right. This is inspired by The Walking Dead. So you get to pick the next monster series to get the same treatment The Walking Dead got. Okay. Can't be zombies, and it doesn't have to be adapted from a graphic novel or any source material. It can be spec'd. So you're in the room with Netflix, a Netflix executive Muckety muck. Yeah. And you have a pitch for a pilot to go into production. What is the series you're pitching him or her on? All right. All right. All right. I love this question. So my story, my world, whatever this world, the United States looks like in this world, we're going to lean really heavily into nuclear energy. Mm -hmm. Maybe we've exhausted oil resources or whatever, but like cars are going to run on nuclear energy. We're going to run our houses on nuclear energy. Just it's everywhere now. So, of course, everyone's weirded out by radiation. This uptick in nuclear energy is going to bring back a monster from a bygone era that I think would be cool to deal with. Maybe we could have a different one every five episodes. But I want the giant irradiated insect arachnoid mm -hmm. monster. Love so that. tarantula, them, yeah. black scorpion, uh, or... Uh, killer shrews like i just want big thing big animals that aren't normally big mm -hmm. gigantic mm. and you know what top gun maverick was so popular can you imagine just like aerial photography like that done with like a huge tarantula in the middle of the desert would so cool look awesome so, so cool i think it's more along the lines of because who knows what the hell godzilla is doing or what whatever they're doing but like something like that with an on-the-ground team trying to figure out why these things are growing so big. And then we just get that of cool monsters just dis destroying cities, mm -hmm. giant scorpions and 
tarantulas and whatever, centipedes. Like, I think that could be a lot of fun. And it's those atomic monsters from the 50s that I want to see brought to life. Love that. Of course, they'll look like shit because they'll be CGI. But um, I think, yeah, maybe you could build a season around a monster or maybe one every couple episodes. But I think that could be a lot of fun. I think that could be a lot of fun, too. Yeah. Do you want to do tarantula to start? Mm. Do a big spider thing? I love tarantula. Snake? Yeah, tarantula python. Yeah, like just like thing, and it just it keeps growing. We just can't stop it. Love that. And if you use nuclear weapons, you just make bigger. it bigger. Yeah, don't make the Hulk angrier. Yeah. Ooh, that's good, Jesse. Yeah, I like that a lot. Cool. All right, so I'm going to go a little bit more human form, or a lot more human form than animal form. And I want to start off with the story of three different women that are in positions of extreme power. Okay. So, like, let's say. God forbid, Nancy Pelosi, but someone like that politically, um, maybe the executive of some really, really powerful tech company and maybe um, entertainment industry. Doesn't matter, but three very powerful, powerful women. Okay. And we start off and it's just a day in the life of. Now, the way the show will be constructed, if it's an hour long, is each one of those three characters is going to get 20 minutes per episode. Okay. Now, they know each other, but they live in a world that is interconnected but not germane to the are all in each other's scenes. Matter of fact, we probably don't see them maybe until the end of season one climax. Okay. Intermittently dispersed among these three stories is their backstory. And their backstory is what happened after Dracula was killed. Mm. This is some four to five to six hundred years later. Dracula's surviving brides mm. that have educated themselves and moved on without their master to these positions of power sans men. And you know, I'm not, I'm not the, I'm and, not. And still vamping. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. still vamping. Yeah. But cloaked in femininity and all of those things that's really popular right now. Yeah. Not anti men, but obviously that's going to be some of their fodder because there is a vampish sexual element to this. Yeah. But it's these three particular brides that survived well, well, van helsing staking dracula oh that's great i love that we, we, we'll have some guy we'll have some guy investigating this vampiric epidemic probably played by like adrian brody or some shit uh Ooh, no that's perfect yeah that sounds pretty good what's it called just brides of dracula brides i dig it yep brides now is it all is all contemporary yep okay that's pretty good and so what you get is so what this it, would be like the Monica Bellucci and like those brides from them grown yeah. up. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So this would be them and let's have them in corporate America or whatever version of America that is with the normal struggles that everybody has. And I, I don't specifically just mean glass ceiling female. I mean, just normal like labor shit. Yeah. Well, no, that's good. If you had one in like the political arena yes. and one in like corporate America and one in like Hollywood, that's like a Kardashian or some shit. Yes. You can see it play out in a variety of different ways. The one I had for the Hollywood idea wouldn't necessarily be Kardashian, but it would be her PR agent, like the head of a PR firm mm -hmm. with all these little minions and acolytes under her that she's got to keep um, keep her eyes on. And what we would get intermittently dispersed among the story of today with them is a rather jigsaw-like piece of how they got to there. So you're still putting the pieces together on like after Dracula was killed and these three brides lost their guidance and their provider. How did they get to, and I think it's a really strong statement on the role of woman in 
that time compared to this time. And there's some domestic issues. And that's one of the frustrations as I'm going to stick to traditional vampire rules. Yeah. You cannot provide any offspring. Yeah. So what does that mean when that element is stripped away? There's so many social, like social, fertile, political, economic things that we could have so much. Absolutely. Controversial in your face fun with. Yeah. Let's write that right now. And it could be violent and it could be sexy as hell too. And it could even be funny. Yeah. We won't get Lucio Fulci to come make this because he won't understand any of it. Right. But yeah, Cronenberg might know what to do with this. Uh, You know, you who I want is um, our Herlocker girl. Oh, Bigelow. I want Bigelow on this. Oh man, that'd be good. And especially if we could really do it. Yeah. Give each one of those characters to one of them. Like, like. Bigelow gets political type. Yeah. Um, Sorkin gets PR agent at media firm. Yeah. And I don't know, off the top of my head, X gets um, corporate America um, yeah. social network kind of treatment. Yeah, that was pretty good. I dig it. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, Netflix. Jesse. Listen. That's gold, man. We yeah. could write that. That's a Bible. That's a Bible away from being such a fun story to tell. Yeah. Especially if it was written by two males. And oh my God. <laughs> no, no. Think about that. Like, yeah. Oh God, that'd be good. That love horror, right? I mean, that, that would be like the, like the cool thing about it too, is like making vampires cool again. Think about how spun out everybody got with like the handmaid's tale and pink is the new or orange is the new black. Pink is the new, is the new black. It was until orange came along. Sure. This could be a version of that, but you know, it's different. Yeah. We're male. Yeah. Oh my God. Could be a lot of fun. Oh my God. Just the, the hype and the controversy around it would be must see TV. Yeah. And Netflix don't kill it after one season. I jokingly text that to you. Cause like, what the fuck is their deal with? Like they, yeah. they get a show that like people really like, and it's like, yeah, we ain't renewing that. Yeah. What's wrong with you all to me? Like the only things that have like had longevity was like stranger things now and like house of cards mm-hmm. and pink is the new black. But other than that, these shows have like a one to two season lifespan. And then they're like, we're on to greener pastures. Like, Mm-hmm. No, people like that show. Yeah. I like Master of None. I want more of that. We, they did continue that a little bit, but yeah, interesting, right? Mm-hmm. I dig it. Let's go make those series. Let's make them. Giant <laughs> monsters and vampires take over America. Mm-hmm. Uh, excellent. Man, I think this cask has been so much fun. Like to talk about these foreign entities and just how they translate over here and why we like them so much. And, um, Talking about all these just like different interpretations of how to approach the genre, right? I mean, when we talk about film noir, it's very Hollywood-centric, 40 to 52-esque, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a window into something. And in England did that a little bit with like the third, Carol Reads the Third Man, but like not a lot, right? I mean, right. horror is something that's just like, man, it's all over the place. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, is it just like it's just like we're horrified by everyday shit all around the world, right? I mean, possibly we have our own everyday horrors, no matter where we're at. Maybe every time you turn around, there's some element of mortality you, you on some level, are faced with. God, that's why it's the best genre. I mean, it's it, it to me, it's it's foolproof to time. Yeah, it'll always, no matter what. I mean, like w- w- the 2020s will be the precipice of some whatever horror thing we'll, we'll we'll get into i mean it's it's awesome you're never going to put on a cape and fly jesse in real life you are going to cross the bridge to the nevermore at some point yeah let's practice it through horror yeah it's Maybe. it's it's great it's just therapy it, yeah Phew. 
Catholic therapy, especially for yeah, you. Oh, yeah, me. yeah, me and you specifically. <laughs> yes. But not even like sci-fi. It's just something so ingrained to me from like the 50s on. Like mm-hmm. there hasn't been a genre that's been around longer than, than this that still is finding new ways to impress and shock us. And I love it. It's just, it's, I love this time of the year so we can just get into this. Me too. Next week, we're going to wrap up our trek. We are going to be heading across Europe through Asia. We're going to touch down in Japan and we're going to talk about a little film called House, also known as Hansu, Hausu, directed by Nubihiku Obayashi. And we've never done a film as crazy as this one on this show before. Like Mandy, like you turned to me and you were like, it's been a while since I've watched something this weird. Yeah, we're, 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 this is going to put Mandy to shame. Like mm. this is a weirdly strange, funny, unique film that is currently streaming on HBO Max and the Criterion channel. So you have very readily ways audience to watch this thing. But this is going to be a rah-rah watch for you. Uh, Are we doing it together? Or do yeah, I think you, I think you got to come watch it with okay. me. Right. Uh, we're, we're, this is going to be crazy. Okay, and so it, it's it's kind of crazy. I don't even know if you're going to like it. It's I'm just setting you up now that like this might not be your cup of tea, but the conversations will be a lot of fun. Mm. Okay, so you got that coming to you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, I got to get going. Why don't we well, let's chill in Italy for a couple of days? Because I've always wanted to learn how to make pasta from scratch. Mm. So let's figure that out here. Then we'll get on the plane. We'll go to Japan. And we'll see you all next week at that time, everyone. I'll call Clemenza. He's got a good recipe for you. (laughs) He does. Uh, Sugar and red wine, right? (laughs) Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Zombie is property of Variety Distribution and Variety Film. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. situation here in New York City since the discovery of the first zombie is getting worse by the hour. There's chaos in the streets. The National Guard cannot control the situation. In every borough of the city, from Brooklyn to Manhattan, from Harlem to Queens, the zombies are taking over. The governor has declared a state of national emergency and has asked the president for immediate assistance. The zombies are everywhere. There seems to be no way to stop them. The city is at their mercy. According to the latest report from police headquarters, the are gathering in Zombies have entered the building. They're at the door. They're coming in. <laughs>